Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to come and just to be with you. And we ask that you'd open up our hearts to um, teach us your ways, God. Show us your heart, your heartbeat, God. And Lord, we love you and we pray that your word would come true in Jesus' name. Amen. This is my lightsaber. Do you like it? That's cool, huh? It's cool. I got to build this at um, Disneyland with my wife. And um, you hear the sound? Oh, yeah. Let's do that again. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. You know, and, and today I want to talk about the sword of the spirit. And what's really cool about a sword, so you've heard the verses, right, in Ephesians, take up the shield of faith, all that armor, right? And what's our only offensive weapon? The sword. Come on, play with Rebecca? Rebecca? What is it? I mean, Rachel, sorry. I'm looking at Rachel. <laughs> Called you Rebecca. Why? Why is this? What's important about this? Do I need to execute you right now? This is our only offensive weapon, guys. If we don't know how to wield our sword, what happens? Your shield of faith is great. But if it doesn't work in unison with your sword, pretty soon they're going to miss your shield and hit your face or your leg or get through and you're going down, right? I mean, you think about it. You can have truth. The belt of truth is great. And so important, but they're all interworking and linked together, right? Don't be afraid, young Padawan Luna. You know, it's kind of scary, huh? So if this was real, this would be like a, you know, obviously laser cutting a touch. I mean, I could just slice this in half, right? And it's interesting because in the Bible, the Greek word for two-edged sword can mean uh, two river heads or two mouths, meaning no matter which way it cut, it could cut this way or that way, it could plunge in, and it's actually deemed, if you look it up, it's a, it talks about being a drinker of blood. Because a double-edged sword was one of the most effective tools at that time in, you know, killing your enemy. Because it was effective going in, effective sideways, this way, up and down and in, and as much effective as out. When it came out, it cut as well. It, it went in penetrating, cutting in, but then when you pulled it out, it also cut. Isn't that, that's pretty intense, right? Like military thinking. But then when you start thinking about that and the power of the sword, and I mean, if you guys have watched Star Wars, if you haven't, I apologize, um, and I feel really sorry for you, but... You know, man, when they just go like that, it, you know, it just cuts people in half. Like it penetrates deep. Now listen to what it says in uh, Hebrews 4, 11, and, and I'll, I'll, we'll turn the lights on in a second, but Hebrews 4 says this, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful, and the, and the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, 
What does it do? It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from its light, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him, capital H-I-M, to whom all, all must give an account. All right, we, I guess we should stop having... So, let me uh, put this away. Well, it was a whole experience because this is really heavy. This probably weighs five pounds. It's like not plastic. So, you got to choose all the elements of it. And, uh, oh, here. Huh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I'm like a 12-year-old kid. You didn't see the belt buckle thing coming, did you? I know you did. Yeah, she's, she's like, oh, my gosh, this is, I'm so glad my friends aren't here. Is that what you're thinking? Really? Really? No. But I want to talk about the sword of the Spirit because, like Hebrew says, it is the Word of God. And go ahead and get your Bibles or your phones out. I want to read through this text together and just kind of look at this text and think about what God is saying to you about the sword of the Spirit. Because the sword of the Spirit, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual, right? So the weapons of our warfare are not in the physical. We don't carry around our lightsabers, and when someone messes up in our workplace, we get our lightsaber out and, okay, make them pay for it, right? No, that's not how we do things. Although I'm sure it's crossed everyone's mind at one point or another, if they had a lightsaber, what they would do with it. But our, our weapons that God wants us to use and the sword that God wants us to become skillful at using is the sword of the Spirit, right? Which is what? The Word of God. And we've heard that a lot, right? So let's read and let's just, I want you to digest what's happening here. Let's start at verse 11 again, okay? Chapter 4 of Hebrews. Hebrews. The coffee shop, Hebrews. All right. 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Okay, now let's break that down. So Paul's saying, let's therefore be diligent or eager, um, let's be careful to enter the rest. Now, we, we, if you look back prior in Hebrews, it's referring to the Old Testament, as far as there was a rest, what does the rest here mean? Rest really means entering into God's kingdom and his full plan for your life and coming into a, a resting of you're not searching anymore. You're actually content with who God is and who you are in Christ. You found that sweet spot of knowing that it's by grace through faith that you're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast, but at the same time, you do good works because of his great grace, right? So there's this incredible balance. You're entering into this rest of fully trusting God at his word, at his devil-edged sword. The Bible talks about a two-edged sword coming out of the mouth of God, right? So this powerful weapon which is pictured as a word, a sword coming out the mouth. So we see this rest is that we've, we're in a state, right, for us today. We're in the state of thinking and understanding that we are fully trusting Jesus Christ and what his word says as absolute truth. And in that, we come into a rest. We don't have worry and fear and 
all these other junk that, that's pressing in on the world because we've come to a place where we've come to rest. Now, does there not, there's, is there challenges to keep us out of rest? Well, of course. There's always going to be a challenger to get you into an unrestful state of anxiety, an unrestful state of worry and fear or anger or whatever it is. There's always going to be that enemy trying to lure you out of rest, right? And so in Hebrews 4.11, it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So remember back when the children of Israel were told, Hey, uh, God speaking, I got some land for you, okay? And he's speaking. So remember now, sometimes we don't take the Bible serious as we should. We, we just read it, and sometimes it's just a story to us. But you've got to understand that every word of God in, in our Bible is God-breathed and has an anointing on it, has power. So when we read it, we have to understand that this is God speaking. So when it comes out of his mouth, it actually has life and power. Because look at the next verse. It says the word of God is living and powerful. So it's not just a word spoken that, is out and gone. It's actually, once it's spoken, it's living and active and actually has the power and uh, uh, the, the, the whereabouts to actually accomplish what it is, right? So it, once it spoke, Isaiah, I believe, 55 says that God, when God speaks out a word, doesn't return void, never comes back empty, always accomplishes what it was sent forth to do. So when God speaks, he speaks it out and it goes out and it is living and active and able to accomplish whatever it was spoken to do, right? Let's give a quick, easy example that we all know. God said, and let there be light. What happened? The word was spoken. It was living and active. It produced because it has power. It produced light. And that light has gone from wherever God spoke it, from him 365 degrees all around in a circumference, every which way, and it's still expanding. The universe is going. There is no end to it. It keeps going because he said, light be, right? And he never said, that's good, light, stop. Because his word is living, powerful, active, an ability to create in and of itself. Who isn't that? I mean, if you think about that, isn't that amazing? That as God speaks, that happens. So we think about this Old Testament thing where God said, look, guys, I got a promised land for you. And this was a picture of rest. This was a picture of I've got a land for you. And back in those days, man, when you, when you had land, that was everything. I mean, to finally arrive and have your, you know, two-story house, white picket fence, you know, getting married here. You know, you guys want to, you know, 2.5 kids and all, you know, you want Seven point five one. Whoa! Well, you came from like thirty kids, so that's. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And so they, they said we're going to enter this rest. And so in that time to have to enter into a a land or to be given land was like everything. And that was like wow, I can have a family. You can raise community and have all this great stuff. So God says important thing. God said is not hey. One day I'm going to let you have this land. He says, I'm giving it to you. It's, it's yours. This land is yours. Now, was it theirs? Physical? Not yet. Not yet. So even though God said it, he spoke it. I said, I'm giving, I have given you this land. This is yours. I'm, I want you to go and possess it. And it, it was theirs spiritually, legally, right when God said it. 
There's no, there's no debate, there's no conference call on God's word to see, oh, is God right? Should we accept this or not? God just says it. It has the counsel, it's done, it's forever established. If you're, are you guys reading, in, who's reading in Daniel? Are you guys, who's reading with us in the scriptures? Some of us? Well, not many, oh, a couple of us. Well, then never mind. Um, so in Daniel, if you'll remember, since me and Jen apparently are the only one, uh, huh? Just that I think that's an idea. <laughs> Let's talk about that later. All right. You're throwing me off. Stop it. All right. So you have this land that God's saying, it's yours, and God says, it's, it, it's yours, I want you to go get it, and now the, the children of Israel have a decision to make. Are we going to obey or disobey, right? But even before that, are we going to believe or not believe, right? Because if you believe, turns into obedience. If you don't believe and you don't trust what he said, because his word's established, that's not changing. So you, your only choice is to believe or not believe it. His word's going to happen whether you believe it or not, but you have that choice. So when you unbelieve, you don't get to go into rest. So he says, don't fall by the same example of disobedience, which God actually later calls sin and something that is evil. He didn't just say, hey, you messed up. He said, what you did, what you're doing is evil. It's sin. It's opposing me. It's anti-Jesus. So don't, be, don't fall into this thing of disobedience. And then he says in verse 12, for the word of God is living and active. So it gives you this picture of, hey, guys, remember in the past when I told you that this land was for you, right? And I promised it to you, but then what did you do? You got in the flesh, you spied out the land, and because you saw giants and big walls, you got scared because your eyes started getting on the enemy, right? And that land and the big walls and the giants, and you got your eyes off of me and my word. And you should know, you should know better because, 12, for my word is living and powerful. It's active. It's alive, which means you and me should be able to trust that word. God was saying, you guys should be able to trust. If I said it, that should be enough. Is God's word enough for you? Is God's word enough for you in your circumstance? Is God's word and what he says good enough in the tough relationships or the job decisions or the fears and anxieties you struggle with? Is his word sufficient? It's a, gr it's a good question. But the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than two-inch sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Whoa, wait a minute, where did we just go there? We went from all-powerful word, which we can kind of somewhat get, but then he just dives in and said the word actually cuts in the soul and spirit and, and the thoughts and intents of our heart and bone and marrow. I mean, that's a pretty precise precision cut. And I was praying the other day in my journal, and I was, it was interesting because... God was talking about his word to me and as I was journaling and he says, you know, the, the important thing about my word, son, is that it's alive and active in every realm. It is not just alive and active in his kingdom spirit realm. His, his word is not all, only alive in every realm, but his word is established and alive and powerful at every level, right? At every, at, in the physical world, in the soul 
in the spirit realm. Paul said there are three heavens. We have God's kingdom. We have the kingdom realm that is, you know, demons and angels moving around. And, and if our eyes were open right now and God allowed us to, we could see that realm, which is layered on this realm that we live in, but we just can't see it. But it's actually alive and happening right now. His word is powerful in that realm, right? So when you take the sword, right, and you slice through, when you speak out God's word, you cut through all realms, right? When I'm here, I'm not just saying, in Jesus' name, heal Jen's back, right, in the physical. I'm cutting down in the physical, into the spirit realm, and that any spiritual force that's in my way is going to be attacked and damaged, right? Because my sword cuts, Every time I use it, every time I swing my sword, we'll talk about this a little later, in faith. Okay, just, just saying words. It's got to be saying words in faith. Every time write down in every realm. God's word, when spoken out of your mouth, cuts through every realm. Physical, spiritual, soul realm, heart realm, spirit world, God's kingdom, every kingdom, his word transcends it all. <gasps> Colossians talks about that. Colossians 1, if you read through there, it talks about his word, his presence, Jesus Christ himself, who is, oh, the word. John chapter 1. His word became manifest among us. Hey, sorry. His word became manifest, and it says Jesus holding all things together, all things together by him who is the word. So I want you to think about that, that, this two-edged sword is a picture of slicing, cutting through, actually penetrating down to the deepest part of the body. And as the spirit word we speak cuts the same. Your words matter. I know you've heard some of this stuff before, but let's review some of that. Your words matter. Life and death are held in your tongue, right? You have the power with your sword to build someone up and encourage them, Ephesians 4.29, or you have the power to rip and tear down and dismantle somebody with your words. Parents, kids, no matter how old you are, you have this power because when you speak out, when you speak words, they don't just fall on physical ears. This, this thing is not just true for spiritual things. It can also be demonic. And when you speak out a negativity over your child and say, you're no good, you're going to grow up and be nothing, those words cut not only in the physical, but they cut right down to the heart and the soul of that person. And it begins to shape and form and fashion who they are because you're an authority and they're believing that authority word from you. So words are powerful. Words are very powerful. We got to choose our words carefully because Jesus said that we're going to be accountable for every word we speak. Well, why do you think he said that? Have you ever thought, man, that's a pretty ridiculous thing, Lord? I mean, gosh, all the words we speak... Well, no, it's not ridiculous because every word you speak has power in it. And if we started realizing as Christians to shut our mouths more and think before we talk, we might realize that and start speaking more words of life towards people uh, than death. You know? Hey, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I had an experience this, this week with a relative of I spoke a word. I actually wrote it out. But I, I said a word of, of joking, right? And it wasn't good. And, you know, and, and I didn't realize it, and I didn't mean it, and we mended the relationship, but it took a relative of mine to have to text me and say, hey, big jerk, and, and I, oh, man, I'm sorry, and I said, man, I shouldn't be speaking words 
like that. I'm so sorry. I did not mean that to come across that way, but I want to speak words of life over you, and I'm so sorry. I'm going to try harder to start, you know, managing that better, and that's kind of where we need to be as Christians, where we're really watching the words that are coming out of our mouth, you know, and be careful of, because those words carry with them the weight of power with them, and it's scary because it's not just if you're a Christian it works. If you're a non-Christian, your words have power, but God's word not cuts a little more deeply because Hell can only speak to, I believe, two realms. Hell can't speak to all three. When hell speaks or a negative word comes, it can, it can hit the physical for sure and our minds and our, our, maybe our souls, but it doesn't get down to God's kingdom because on, on his kingdom, it's his rule and reign. Nothing goes out of alignment in that kingdom. It's perfect. And so if you think about that, that's kind of exciting too. So as we align our, our words with him, um, we, we enter into this power and just like the Israelites, remember, they wanted to come into a land, right? And they, they went out, they spied out the land, and it wasn't, they got scared. And so they chose instead to say, I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to bondage. I don't like this. This is scary. And what happened to that whole generation? They died out. So this is where Paul's talking. And he says to us today, later on, that we have a rest today. Right? We, have, we can enter in today through Jesus Christ, guys. We can make that. So don't make the same mistake they did by not recognizing the power of God's word. Don't make the same mistake they made by taking the word of God lightly, that, you could, that it was even optional. There was no option. It wasn't like God was saying, hey, do you want the land or not? Or do you want to do whatever you want here? Right? He wasn't giving them options. He was saying, this is the land I'm giving you. You're my people. This is where you're going. Here, go take it. And they said, nah. They didn't have the right to, for that choice. They had the, their only right was to believe God and trust him. So they suffered the consequences of not taking his word to heart. Uh, turn over to Matthew 21. And we'll end with this one. Because this is such a great scripture. Because I, wanted, I want to get to a place where we understand that we all carry a sword whether we utilize that sword or not is up to you. You all have a very powerful weapon at your disposal. We, each one of us has a fully functioning, awesome, ready-to-go lightsaber strapped on our side. But if it stays there, it doesn't do much good. If someone were to come in here and had a sword and hey, you better not have that sword. I have a lightsaber strapped to my side. That's not going to stop that thing from going through my heart and killing me if I don't take the sword and use it for its intended purposes, right? It's the action part of faith that you can make this, the sword of the Spirit, useful as we turn it on and use it and use it properly, right? We have to do action. We can't just sit there and go, right? We have to move and thrust and strike and move. And that's what we have to do with our words. So let's take a look at that in um, Matthew 21. So this is a, where Jesus is talking, and he's, uh, he's talking about a fig tree too. We're not going to focus as much on the fig tree, but I want to get you some context here. In Matthew 18, chapter 21, verse 18, it says, Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, Jesus, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree on the road, he came to it and found nothing on it. But leaves, and said to it, No fruit, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. 
Okay, wow, that's pretty, yeah, scary, intense, amazing, awesome, perplexing because it wasn't fig season. Another, another gospel tells us that. So it wasn't fig season, but yet Jesus was expecting figs on this tree when in the physical realm, it should not have had figs. So I'm sure the, you know, they're amazed, like, oh, you said it and it withered. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing, you know, powerful. And they're oh, magic. Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. Because, I mean, wouldn't that be kind of seeming like a magic, you know? Never read again. You know, whoa, that's pretty crazy, right? I mean, that's TV, movie right there, right? And so they're probably going, wow. But then I'm sure they're going, wait, Jesus, didn't you know fig season's like in two more months? You know, that's not the tree's fault, right? Why would you kill the tree? That's what we'd say today, right? All the, someone, hey, you're, you're murdering trees. You know, you're all mean. Anyway, sorry, that shouldn't, that's no point there. But the point is, is that Jesus expected figs, didn't get it, and he was expecting it to be there. Why? Because he's the son of God. He's a living, he's a living created God in flesh walking around, and his expectation was that if he wanted a fig, it should, it should happen. So listen to their response to this amazing story, which there's a lot more in the fig tree um, that we could get into, but let's, let's read on, verse 20. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did this tree wither so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt... You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive, drop the mic. Are, are you with, I mean, so here God is saying, the son of God, Jesus is saying, look, you just saw this happen. But if you, first of all, I say to you, if you have faith and not doubt, let's just stop there. So he's saying that. It's all about having faith and trust in the spoken word, because Jesus was speaking, he was God speaking. Everything he said was revelation of the Father in words spoken. And he's saying, if you have faith and don't doubt, there's nothing you can't do. Nothing will be impossible, because to them it was an impossible thing to speak to a tree and have it instantly wither, right? Isn't that amazing, right? Instantly wither. And then he goes on and he talks about a mountain. Right? A mountain. Who is ever seeing a whole mountain jump up and go be thrown in the sea? Right? That's, not, that's impossible. We haven't seen that ever. Right? We, we read about it in Revelations that that's going to happen. Every high place and hill will be made low. So it's going to happen, but it's never happened. So it's an impossibility. And Jesus is saying, look, if you, don't, if you believe and have faith and do not doubt... And I want you to underline some key words in your Bible. So go back to verse 21. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what is done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, so underline the word say, right? Say, be removed and cast into the sea. It will be done. And whatever things you ask for prayer, believing you shall receive it. Um, also underline the word say, assuredly, I say to you, uh, um, yeah, no, we already got that one. So say to the mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. So this is about, this is about, I think this is it. 
Um, the key thing here about this mountain moving, sorry. Oh, it's hitting that. Sorry, gotta take my toy off. <laughs> it's causing distractions. The key word in this scripture for me and what I wanna get across to you today is, is what's spoken. Because Jesus is telling you and me, if we will believe in our hearts and not doubt, that we could speak, we could say to the, speak to impossibilities in our life and that they would obey what we speak. Think about that. Jesus is saying, if we don't doubt, but we have faith and trust his word, that we can ask, and in other scriptures, to bring in alignment, we ask according to his will. We've got to know what God wants and his desire. That's the whole context of scripture. If we believe that, and we speak out things, and we say unto things in our life that are like a huge mountain that could never in any other way be moved, impossible, never done before situation, could be done if we believe and speak in faith. So could it be done in this scenario without us saying? No, it cannot. So Jesus said, you, if, you don't, if you don't doubt and you believe and have faith, you can say unto this mountain. Jesus didn't say, if you don't have faith and believe, you can just pray or not say anything or just think it, and that mountain will go away. Right? It's, under, it's understood that saying is part of the power of the release of that. You don't, you don't have power in and of yourself, but through Christ and obedience to him as we speak on his behalf. Don't forget, church, that you're an ambassador, that you speak on God's behalf. In fact, we were all commissioned to speak on God's behalf with the great gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all ambassadors. We're a kingdom of priests that are to go forth and show forth and speak forth God's word over this creation and tell all people about Jesus and get them saved, right? That's the gospel message, right? So we speak on God's behalf in many areas as ambassadors, right? And even though we don't have the actual power, God's the actual power, we can be a conduit for his power as we say, we speak forth. We have faith, right? We trust God and his word, and we put those two together, and we speak it out, and then his power acts as a conduit and goes right through us and accomplishes what God wants. So think about that as the mountains are in your life. Think about the impossibilities that you are praying for, believing for, have maybe even given up on because mountains don't get up and th are thrown into the sea on a normal basis in your life. You've never seen that physically. How could this happen? You know, I'll use Dee as an example. I believe Jeff is a type of a mountain. And we see Jeff, and I, we've had a lot of these discussions. Sometimes in our mind, we, we have faith. We know what's going to happen. But we sometimes go, I don't know if this guy's going to move. He's a big mountain. You know, I don't know if this, he's stubborn and he's got his ways and I don't know if he's ever going to, man, that's a mountain. And, and so we do all this stuff, but I want to challenge you today to start speaking at these mountains. Now, this doesn't mean go to Jeff and say, in the name of Jesus, I don't know. Hey, if the Lord tells you, do it. But this is in prayer as we're praying and believing God for things. We need to start verbalizing and getting the words out of our heart and mind and speaking them out mixing them with faith. Hebrews tells us that the reason it didn't work for the, the Israelites is they didn't mix the word that was spoken with faith. They didn't mix what God had said, this is your land, they didn't mix it with faith. If you don't mix faith and the word, you can't get the cookie, right? 
You, you don't get the product. You don't, you got to have flour and sugar. We just made lemon muffins with almond flour and coconut flour. Pretty good, but right, if you don't mix all these things right, you get a nasty tasting thing, right? It doesn't work right. But if you mix things correctly, you get the right product. So if you can mix his word, but you got to have faith with it and believing. So what is faith? No, close. 11, what does it say? Faith is the of things seen. The evidence of things. So really, faith is evidence for whatever you're believing for, right? So God's word spoke. His word, you're believing, that's true. And my faith, my believing that is true is the evidence that it's going to happen. That's why Jesus says you got to believe before you receive. You don't get just because you say. You get because you speak out in faith, believing that you have received it. Then you get what you are asking for according to God's plan and his word, right? You've got to have a word from God to get anything from God or from his kingdom. You don't, if you, you're believing for a Mercedes, good luck, but you need a word from God that says he wants everyone to have a Mercedes, to have faith. You can't pray for a Mercedes in faith. You can pray for a vehicle and provision because he's going to provide for you in that general sense. Are you with me? But if you have specific words like Jeff coming to Jesus, I have words of God that say his desire is that all people are saved. That's scriptural. That's the word of God. Now I can take that word, and as I speak it forth, I'm saying to that mountain in Jesus' name, I pray for Jeff right now in Jesus' name, and I pray your word that says you want everyone to be saved, God, so I'm praying that you convict his heart right now in Jesus' name. That's in the word, too. I pray, God, that you would enlighten the eyes of his understanding. Oh, that's scriptures. Paul said that. And I, Lord, you said that. I'm taking the word right now, and I'm swinging my sword, and I'm speaking out. Lord, I open his eyes, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, by your Holy Spirit, would you guide him to truth? Lord, you said you would draw every, everyone to yourself by your great. Would you do that, Lord? Would you, would you put your spirit upon him? Would you send angels, Lord? Because I know you got an angel waiting for him once he gets saved, because Hebrews 1 says every believer has a ministering spirit sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Right? So he's got one of those waiting. God, I know you got an angel ready. Come on, let's do it. Do you see the difference in praying for Jeff like that versus, Lord, I just pray Jeff would come to church one day and he would just love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, there's a battle going on for Jeff. Hell wants to kill him. And if he doesn't get saved, he's going to spend an eternity without God. This is a huge battle. This isn't meant for, oh, Lord, I just bless him and, oh, just be with him and let's love him. That's hogwash, guys. We need to start getting our sword out and taking it serious what we have as a weapon of our warfare and our, our arsenal and start fighting for not only the Jeffs but the, the kids that don't know Jesus and, and the people at our work that are dying and start really praying for them and believing God for miraculous power to come through our lives. Are you with me? The sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit can say into that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and in whatever things you ask in prayer, believing that you have received them, you will receive them. But it's only when you guys get your swords, you know the word of God. So first thing, guys, is you've got to be, you got to know your word. You've got to be in the word. That's why I've been preaching this for two years now. Get in the word, read through the Bible. In fact, let's all read together because I think that would be a powerful thing. 
but whatever. You're reading through the word. You're studying God's word. You're memorizing. David said, I hide my, the word of God in my heart so that I won't sin against you. So we're hiding God's word in our heart. We're meditating on the scriptures because if we don't know what God says, how can we exercise faith? You can't even go like this unless you know God's word. You're just, you're, some people are spitting out prayers that aren't even Bible-based. And that you can't have faith for that. You can only believe and have faith for what God said. So you've got to pray in the line of Scripture. So you've got to understand that when you're praying and you're believing, you've got to have a Scripture context for what you're praying and believing. Don't just start randomly spewing out words that may or may not be scriptural. I hear it all the time, people praying, and I'm thinking, that's not what the Bible said. Know what the Bible says. And if you don't, study and find out. And if that's too hard, ask someone that knows the Bible better than you and say, help me find a scriptural context for this that I'm believing for. Well, what are you believing for? I'm believing for a job. Okay, let's do this. Let's, let's talk about Jehovah the provider, Jehovah Jireh. Let's talk about all the scriptures that talk about that, right? And find out and know the scripture. And then secondly, exercising faith. Faith, you have to trust God's word to be true no matter what your eyes see. Right? When you're swinging the sword, it's not about what you're seeing visually. It's his word. If you're a Star Wars fan, remember when Luke Skywalker was first learning how to use this? And he had the thing in, um, in the Millennium Falcon, which is right here. That thing. <laughs> remember he was in there and he was fighting. There was a little ball there and he, he had to put the mask over it. Do you remember, does everyone know Star Wars fans? You're, you know. So he had to put, he was fighting this thing and it was shooting at him. He was blocking it and learning. And then, you know, his uh, Obi-Wan came over and said, hey, now try it. He's like, oh, I can't see. How? Oh, that's impossible. There's no way I can do this. Well, yeah, there is. Because when you're fighting with the sword of the spirit, you're, you don't want to be looking with your eyes because your eyes are deceptive. Your eyes will trick you and get you off, off track, will get you trusting and believing wrong things. Man, sometimes it is good. Close your eyes and just begin to meditate on the word of God, Psalms 1-1, meditate on a day and night, picture God's word in your mind. God, your word says this is true no matter what I see out here, and then just start praying, right? So not only can we pray for these things that I've talked about, but I wanted to end, end today's talk with um, fighting spirits, fighting spiritual warfare in this way, because it's the same principle, but and, and you're fighting a spirit. So when you're fighting a spirit of, let's say, uh, fear, you need to go after that spirit that's casting thoughts through your mind or you're struggling with an area of fear, anxiety, stress, or maybe it's anger, maybe it's even depression. Um, whatever, you, whatever that battle is for you, you need to address this spirit the same way you address the passion and the same way you use your sword in that which we do for Jeff. We've got to fight against that principality with his word, Right? We read um, in our Bible reading this morning about the temptation of Jesus. Every time he was tempted against the devil, he used the word of God and the word of God only. But you can't just say verses and spew out verses against the enemy unless you believe it in here. If you don't really believe what you're saying is going to happen no matter what you see or feel, then you're not exercising faith against the enemy. So for an example, when you're fighting the enemy and you're coming against depression and you start having verses and you're fighting, when you sw swing your sword, every time Jesus said, I rebuke you in Jesus, and, and he didn't say in Jesus' name because he's Jesus, but I rebuke you, come out, right? 
that demon had to listen, right? If, right? You read the Gospels. When he did deliverance, there was, there was never a time where the demon said, no, I don't feel like it. You know, not today, buddy. There was an uh, instance in Luke where Jesus had been commanding a spirit over and over to come out, and it, that was the legion one, and then eventually came out, but it wasn't on a one-word command. So that tells me that when we're fighting the enemy, when we say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, because we're saying that because our, our power lies in Christ, we might have to say that, I rebuke you, come out in Jesus' name, okay? Well, every time you say that, in faith, you inflict damage on the enemy. Just know that. But one, one cut or stab may not take him out. So you may have to continue to speak forth the saying of that mountain, right, until that mountain's gone. You have to keep speaking and saying and swinging and slicing and cutting and jabbing, right, until he is destroyed, right? Do you want to leave any of the enemy left to recoup and come back? Absolutely not. So in your battle, in your warfare, and in your life, and in your prayer closet, when you're fighting the things that got you uh, maybe scared or frustrated and you can't find an overcoming, maybe it is that you did the one and done and thought you had it, had it won. Maybe you just said, well, I prayed for it. I guess God doesn't want depression to leave me because I prayed once and it didn't leave. Are you with me? Right? So maybe you got to get your warrior mentality, your I declare war heartbeat on and get your armor on and get your sword out and every day start going at that, swinging away until it just gives up and says, I'm done. I am beat to a pulp. I can't even walk. And then it'll go. Are you with me? You got to understand that just because you swing once doesn't mean the enemy's like, oh my gosh, he swung. I'm so scared. Okay, I'll never come back. This is warfare, guys. No one, no ever warfare ever was like that. What do we think that this is going to be like that? we got to fight, fight, fight. Another great way to use this is in forgiveness. We've talked a lot about that at the rivers. Forgiving one another and the power of that. You're going to have to get your sword out and fight to not allow an unforgiving spirit to stay in your heart. When someone hurts you and has uh, done you harm in your past, present, or whatever, you have to... Every morning, get up, turn on that sword, and say, I will not be a person who holds on to an offense. Get off of me in Jesus' name. I cast that thought that just came in and said, so-and-so is a jerk, man. He's never going to be the same. Don't try, da-da-da-da-da, and starts going, are you with me? You know, you're trying to forgive someone. You know the role play that goes in in your mind. And those thoughts come in, and you take every thought captive that Paul says, you get your sword out, and you start swinging by speaking out in faith God's word over that situation, Right? One good thing to keep in mind would be, um, gosh, God, your word says that if I don't forgive my brother, you won't forgive me. If that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what will, right? So keep forgiving that you're Christ-like, that you have the mind of Christ, right? That you're a conqueror. There's all those things that you've got to fight off those thoughts. And my, I implore you today is just to get your sword out and start utilizing it. You all have one. But you've got to get it. You've got to take action. You've got to speak forth. Quit being silent and making every spiritual thing internal only. The spiritual, the more spiritual you are, the more spoken you will be because you were, were made to be a vessel, guys. You were made for God to flow in you and then flow out of you. If there's nothing coming out of God in you, then something's wrong. 
And so get your sword out and start swinging scriptures and believing in your heart that every time you swing, it's coming true. It's inflicting damage on the enemy or against that stronghold that's holding back our loved ones from coming to Jesus. Every time you pray out, out in faith and say out of your mouth, oh God, break down that mountain around Jeff. I come against every spirit of unbelief and doubt in Jeff's life right now. And I just, right now with my sword, I cut that off in Jesus' name and just start praying that way. Are you with me? I hope that encouraged you, but um, we've got a powerful weapons. The weapons of our warfare are powerful in Christ. Don't ever forget that, that you are already the victor. You don't have to wait until you see the physical victory. Once you pull your sword out and start exercising faith, you're victorious. You might have to endure and, you know, st stay steadfast. And you may need patience, right? But in that patience, don't be silent. Don't just pray once and then, oh, I have patience for 100 years. No. Start praying in faith, have patience, and then while you're having patience, fight like a crazy warrior. Right? Swing that sword. You don't have to be good. You can look on YouTube for the people that don't know how to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how rookie you are. You just believe and have faith and swing, and you're going to have victory because God's word says you will. That's it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for your powerful word. Lord, we thank you for speaking your powerful word, word in creation. Lord, we thank you for speaking your powerful word when you sent forth Christ. He was the word. John 1.1 tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. God, you, you sent Jesus as the manifestation of who you are. And so we thank you for the word that became flesh among us and dwelt among us and then now lives in us by his spirit and now we have the word in us. And Lord, we pray, God, that we would learn to utilize your word, O oh God, as a sword in our hands as we speak forth your words and declare your kingdom rule in this earth, God, that all men, women, and children would see the power of your word and the love of the saints and the, the obedience of the saints, God, and would, would come around and that would be a witness to them saying, I want to be able to fight like you fight. I want to be able to be on God's side like you're on God's side. I, I want to believe like that. I want to exercise my faith like you do and I want to trust the Bible like you do and God's holy word like you do. Lord, let that be a witness. God, I pray for each person in this room that this week, Lord, they would begin to increase the level of the usage of their sword, that they would not, that they would go find their sword, dust it off, strap it to their side, and begin to take it with them to work, take it with them to the grocery store, use it in their homes and wherever they're at, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us use this amazing weapon of warfare to help us ensure and get your kingdom uh, secured in this earth, Lord. You told us to go take this violently and by force, Lord, because it's already been given to us. Help us not fall in the example of disobedience that Israel did, but help us to listen to your word and obey your word and speak forth your word and take the land that you've promised us. In Jesus' name, amen.